It's time to hear the story, make the connection, learn the lesson, and gain the wisdom. Are you ready? Let's get charged and be changed. The Sister Speak Brother Break Show. Conversations on grace, healing, and deliverance. This is Marcy Bush. Come on, let's journey together. Thank you for joining us for the Sister Speak Brother Break Show with Marcy Bush. Uh, We are continuing our conversations on grace, healing, and deliverance. And I am so very glad to have a dear friend of mine here today to share her testimony with us. Um, Her name is Artisha Bolding, and she is a force to be reckoned with. Um, She is a daughter, a wife, an author, speaker, and a mighty powerful empowerment coach. And so we're just going to hear from her today specifically about a near-death experience that she had. Um, We're going to hear from her about the things that kind of led up to it, about the event itself, and about this spin that it put on her life. And so, Artisha, we are glad to have you here with us today. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. So we're going to jump right into talking about Um, because there's a whole lot we could talk about regarding your life. But specifically, we're going to talk about the near-death experience and the events that surrounded it before and after. So tell us, what was your life like in the months like preceding that experience? To put it mildly, Marcy, it was overwhelming. Um, I had come back to Georgia, which um, is the place that I was born, from D.C. and L.A., so I'm used to fast-paced jobs, making great money, and that just wasn't the case here, and so it had gotten really crazy, and though I was married, I still had a very fierce independent streak, Mm -hmm. and I had finally gotten a job where I could make my own money, and it was good money, so I was pleased with that part, Mm -hmm. but it really was a roller coaster. It was just great highs and terrible lows um, because I was working on a uh, nuclear power construction site. Okay. Just for the money, purely (laughs) for the money. And um, it was mandatory overtime. So I was working 50 to 60 hours per week Mm. on top of a 45 minute commute just one way. So the great bulk of my life was work and getting to and from work. So um, in hindsight, I realized that uh, my only intention was to make money. I wasn't Mm -hmm. there to make friends. I wasn't there to make an impact. (laughs) I wasn't there to shine any light. I was there to get that check. Get the cheddar. So so my life really got crazy because, um, and now I know that my focus was just very off. And literally all I did was eat, sleep, and work, even to the point where I was falling asleep in church services, which I love and enjoy, Mm -hmm. but um, things had just taken a a terrible turn at that time. Okay. And so keep going. Keep telling us about it. What what did um, that, you were after the money. Yes. um, Money because you like to... um, You like to splurge or money because you were trying to make ends meet or a little 
of both. I really, I didn't want to have to solely depend on my husband. And then again, with that independence, I wanted to do what I wanted to do with mm -hmm. my money. It's like, you take care of the bills and I'm going to do <laughs> what mm -hmm. I want to do kind of thing. And um, so I was just about a year into this new gig when I started getting what I thought was kind of seasonal allergies and had kind of maybe spent off into a head cold. But when I finally went to see the doctor, this was before it got really, really bad. I'll get to that in just a second. Mm -hmm. um, turns out I had double pneumonia. Mm. My lungs were literally both filling. I was literally drowning on my own fluid. So it was a really, really scary thing. And so that was the fall. But you thought it was seasonal allergies. That's what I thought it was just a hacking call. Girl. I thought it was, and you know how we want to medicate and diagnose mm -hmm. ourselves. And so it had gotten really bad by the time I actually sought care. So that was um, fall, specifically uh, November of 2017. And so um, when life blew up, as I call it, with this okay. uh, near-death experience, that was May of 2018. It was actually uh, Mother's Day weekend. Mm. I was at my mom's house slipping into a coma. Mm. And um, I had been in and out of the hospital before the May event. I had spent about 16 days in the hospital mm. off and on. I had already had visits to the ICU. It was really, really awful. And doctors couldn't pinpoint what was going on and so I was very frustrated okay and so by the time we get to um, the May event that was the longest time I was in the hospital at one time which was 10 days five of those days was in the ICU like I literally had one foot in the grave it was mm -hmm. it was done and I had become so depressed with all of the doctor visits, all mm -hmm. of the medication that I had to take. Earlier that year, I had been put on 24-hour oxygen support. Okay. So I had to come off the job where I was already, you know, making the money and everything. Mm -hmm. And so it had taken a toll on everything socially, mentally, physically, and spiritually because my focus was on what is happening in this okay. body and why doesn't anybody know mm -hmm. what's going on and um that last time in the um hospital in may i i honestly thought it was done i had heard stories of folks who uh you know when you get ill and sometimes when folks are older you kind of know or think mm -hmm. it's your time mm -hmm. and so you may send for folks mm -hmm. and so i began to send for folks mm -hmm. i told my mom my sister my husband you know make arrangements tell folks whoever want to come see me to come see me because you told them that i told them okay. that no one wanted to hear that and it was like <laughs> whatever mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, folks become, I mean, cousins and aunts, it was kind of a parade. They came okay. and I thought, I thought that, um, you know, I thought it was all done for. And so, um, when I was slipping out of consciousness, when I literally thought that my spirit was leaving my body for mm -hmm. good, it was, uh, it was a little scary, of course, but it was a delight mm -hmm. because I, um, I definitely felt a sense of peace because I was leaving this wayward world behind. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about trying to punch a clock. I didn't try, have to worry about um, prioritizing my time or my money or anything like that. And um, at that point, it was a relief from a depression. Okay. Because with the medications and now the complete loss of income, 
loss of social interactions because mm -hmm. I'm at home all the time on this oxygen tank. Mm -hmm. I I really didn't want to live. I honestly okay. prayed for death. Okay. I really, really did. Okay. And so I thought that I thought this was it. And again, I was a little afraid, but I was more leaning into relief. Okay. And so when that relief came, what did that look like? So um, we'll have a mixed audience. Um, some may understand this, some may not. But um, as I traveled, my spirit actually left my body. Mm -hmm. And as I traveled, it was the absolute most tranquil peaceful experience of my life. I can hardly put it into words, but it was just such ease and it felt like a transition. I said, okay, you know, this is it. This is, mm -hmm. this is happening. And, um, I, I went to a place and this particular place, I could see people kind of in the distance, but I just remember it was just like the most lush garden you would ever see, just flowers and green grass, and it smelled wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> the just excitement, like, yes, mm -hmm. this is it, this is it. But um, it was still kind of at a distance. I wasn't standing or frolicking or anything like mm -hmm. that. And so it was as, you know, I was approaching this place and again, so serene, peaceful, and everything. But just when I was experiencing that, there was a stillness. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if um, that was another transition. And, you know, in my conscious present mind, I haven't been able to um, put that into words that we would um, understand. But there, at some point, there was a shift. Okay. There was a shift and I was sitting and I was in tears because I, in that space, realized that this was not it. I was not mm. going to be allowed to like go and stay in this okay. place. And I was trying to make sense of that. And there was this feminine figure who I remember, she didn't have a lot of facial features, but beautiful, perhaps an angel, but this being, I could touch her. She was a physical presence in this space where I mm -hmm. was. And, um, I was crying and she was just, she was trying to comfort me, but she let me know. She was just like, you can't stay here. And then I really began to <laughs> weep. Like, wait, what do you mean? Cause I've heard part of your story before. And didn't you say that there, they, she spoke with someone else. Yes. There were actually two other, um, beings there. Um, both one was definitely taller and masculine. The other, I can't kind of say, um, which way, but, um, they communicated with each other that I could not understand. And it was just kind of like, they were confirming like, Nope, she can't, mm -hmm. she can't stay. <laughs> she has to go back. And I was just devastated. Mm -hmm. If you can imagine having just the best moment of your life, however mm -hmm. short lived and mm -hmm. realizing that, okay, no, it's mm -hmm. actually over now. Mm -hmm. So what else do you remember about that? You, you said the, like this lush garden, the smells, what else? Do you remember any other things in that space? Uh, Kind of like how you would imagine a garden, just very sunny and bright and 
fresh and everything was just so new almost like if you you know you go on vacation and you're excited to touch down somewhere else and it was you know exciting for <laughs> a very very brief moment and then it was just like okay and um I actually I, I don't sh I share this as I'm asked mm -hmm. but um, I don't have conversations like this with doctors because you know when they, mm -hmm. <laughs> they'll try to yes. medicate and things like that they don't understand um, the spirit realm mm -hmm. and so um, physically I don't for a fact know what was happening but what I believe was happening was um, the dipping very low and mm -hmm. then the uh, reintroduction of gotcha. oxygen mm -hmm. and so I believe that you know once they were you know performing the life-saving measures mm -hmm. and everything and as I was um, coming back I traveled actually again and now mm -hmm. this wasn't in a heavenly place at all this was actually in an earthly place okay and it was very interesting and strange and so no one knew that I was there, but two specific places that um, I visited during this time. Mm -hmm. uh, one was a convenience store and mm -hmm. it could have been in, you know, middle America. There were um, trucker types coming in, just, you know, regular folks coming in to get uh, drinks or cigarettes or what have you mm -hmm. from this place. And um, I was there and then, you know, the folks were out near the front of the store and they were just talking, laughing, enjoying themselves. And what I took note of was these people were very different from myself okay. and very different from my friends. Mm -hmm. And what I felt, it was not words that I heard mm -hmm. audibly, but what I felt is that these are God's people too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. Mm -hmm. And then another scene, same messaging this time was in a rave type of scene mm -hmm. and um, it looked to be uh, Caribbean or West Indian folks and beautiful colors, loud music, loud colors and they were just having a great, great time mm -hmm. and it was the same thing. These are my people too. Okay. And so what I take away from that and um, some three years later now, what I still practice is that God truly loves all of us mm -hmm. and we cannot have this judgmental eye right. on folks. We can't, we can't monopolize God mm -mm. because his children are all over the earth in all shapes and sizes in all types of scenes. Mm -hmm. And so that, yes. um, that has stayed with me. Yes. That has yes. stayed with me. Well, that's a beautiful story. Not story. That's a beautiful <laughs> life. Um, so now tell us, what was life like upon your return? Upon my return, it was very tough. Mm -hmm. It was tough because I'm still having to, because I still don't have an actual, up until May, they're still trying to pinpoint the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. They're still, um, trucking me back and forth from cardiologist to pulmonologist. Okay. So I went into congestive heart failure. So it went from okay. double pneumonia, congestive heart failure, near kidney failure. Okay. But thank God we didn't go there. And then um, 
the sleep apnea and asthma played a part into that. So all of my airways okay. and blood vessels were restricted mm -hmm. and they still don't actually know the root cause of it. They still don't know. They actually have a term for, they don't know. There's a medical term for, I don't know. Really? Which is called idiopathic. Idio, okay. like idiot. <laughs> meaning like idiot, don't I don't know. know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they still don't know. But, um, I, Do they still say you have those things going on? So the diagnoses are still on um, my medical chart, yes. Mm -hmm. And I am still um, under doctor's care and taking medications for those. Mm -hmm. But thank the Lord that I've gone from eight medications, mm -hmm. including 24-hour oxygen mm -hmm. support, down to three. Look at God. So <laughs> I am so, so mm -hmm. thankful for that. And it was, uh, I have to be honest, the depression and anxiety was still very present mm -hmm. after um, leaving the hospital, even though I, I knew I was getting better and we had a better handle on the treatment plan mm -hmm. at the time because I was able to see specialists. So that was better. And I was um, pleased with that. But um, at the time, I, at that time, I was still on the oxygen mm -hmm. and it's, I didn't have the cute William Shatner, nice <laughs> machine, little mm -hmm. pocketbook. Those things are extremely expensive mm -hmm. and I did not have that type of access. And so I had the big tank, almost like what you see, the helium tank where you right, your birthday right. balloons blown up. So I had to drag that around with me and it was always, am I going to be in church and it run out? Am mm -hmm. I going to be in a store mm -hmm. and it run out? So I was still home based, mm -hmm. which was the exact opposite of my personality. Right, so I right, had to right. really, really transition that. Um, but uh, as you know, the turning point for me was my sister literally drug me to church mm. one Sunday morning. And she just made everything okay. She was like, you know, my nephew will carry this tank. Mm -hmm. I'll carry your bag. You can sit in the back. You don't have to truck down the aisle of the mm -hmm. church. You just need to be there. Mm -hmm. And I agreed. And um, we share a spiritual father. Mm -hmm. He spoke over my life, over the pulpit, pretty much in the middle mm -hmm. of service. Kind of like stopped everything. Did. <laughs> and, and called me out and I didn't realize really at that point everybody was so thankful that I was still around mm -hmm. and I think I was but I wasn't as convinced or excited as everyone else mm -hmm. was and he called me out on that mm -hmm. and he was just like girl you have to fight you can't just mm -hmm. give up and I was just like so, okay. <laughs> Essentially, in my mind, I was just like, okay, Dad, if you say so. Right. And that was honestly the turning point mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. That was the turning point for me. I essentially made up my mind in that moment that I was not going to be a slave to any man's machine, mm -hmm. any man's medication. Mm -hmm. And if God was insistent that I still be here, <laughs> that I was just going to do things uh, differently. And I do remember that Sunday morning. And the thing is, too, there were people who stepped in and fought for you. Yes. I guess until you could grab hold for yourself. Mm -hmm. They stepped in and fought for you. Yes, and I'll be forever grateful for them. I will never forget mm -hmm. those moments. I mean, mm -hmm. like dispatch came to mm -hmm. the pew where I oh, was yeah. in the very back of the church. Oh, yeah. I remember. And prayed and praised in my stead. Yes, yes. 
that was absolutely a life changing mm. moment. Mm, 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 and mm. I do, I just want to say one thing, mm -hmm. um, because when I thought, I, I really thought the clock was ticking, like from the ICU, even when I was getting better mm -hmm. and went to um, a downgraded regular um, hospital room, mm -hmm. I knew that I had work to do. I was just like, okay, I keep waking up here, so mm -hmm. there's something mm -hmm. more for me to do. Mm -hmm. So I was essentially like, let me get this work over with so I can go home and be with my heavenly father. Um, let me hurry up. That's yeah, what you were yes, saying. Seriously, like, mm -hmm. okay, let's go. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm ready. And every person that donned my door mm -hmm. in whatever hospital room that I was in, I prayed for them. Mm -hmm. I asked about their family. I encouraged them. I mean, from mm -hmm. the custodian mm -hmm. to the nutrition folks to the social worker insurance folks, literally everybody. Mm -hmm. I always had a smile on uh, on my face and um, always had lipstick <laughs> on also. And the doctors mm -hmm. and nurses come and said, Something's going well when the patient has mm -hmm. on lipstick. <laughs> That's right. So what helped you like go from let me hurry up so I can get there to okay, I'm going to rest in this and I'm going to do this work as long as I have to. What what made the shift? It it really was time and I was honestly feeling better. I didn't feel that transition happening anymore. I was feeling better and you know, doctors and nurses, they come in and they share your information with you and more so with your family, someone who's of a clear mind and the numbers kept getting better mm -hmm. and I was starting to feel better and the appetite had come back. Not that I totally lost it. <laughs> I, I, sick, hurt, <laughs> I'm going to always eat. <laughs> And so I, I really just, I don't think I ever said it out loud, but I just said, okay, God, you still have me here. So I'm, I'm going to do it your way this time. All right. And so real quick, I guess, like what, what difference do you see in your life today? Your focus, your, all that stuff, your purpose versus before you went into the hospital? What's the flip side? I believe that I am now walking out, seeking first the kingdom mm -hmm. and all of the <laughs> things being added. Mm -hmm. uh, before I felt like I was able-bodied, I had this job that's finally paying a decent wage, mm -hmm. so I'm going to go get what I want. Mm -hmm. But again, I was having no impact, family, community, household, or otherwise, gotcha. literally no impact. And so I've done and committed myself to doing a 180. Yes. It's like, okay, God, you have work for me to do. Yes. It's on you to okay. add the rest because that's what your word says. Amen. Now we're going to do a segment. We're approaching the end. We're going to do a segment called at the core. Okay. And it's kind of like rapid fire questions. Um, some may be just two or three words. Um, some may be two or three sentences. So, um, what have you learned to let go of? Self. Mm, okay. That's good. What did death teach you about life? Cherish every single moment. Okay. All right. Um, what is your take on comparing yourself to other people? Oh, that is the 
one thing that will make your success take a nosedive. And, you know, we define success differently. We define it by the word of God and glorifying mm -hmm. God. Comparing yourself to others will kill your success. You'll never be able to be authentic and fully do the things that God has called you to do when you're comparing yourself to others. Amen. And when your time really comes and you're looking back over your life, what do you hope to see? I hope to see that I have truly built a legacy of health, wealth, and wisdom as God has called me to. Amen. Oh, that is beautiful. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk. Well, y'all, um, thank you for joining us today with Artisha Bolding. And I do pray that there was something that has been said that has stirred you, um, given you hope given you a new look at what death looks like. And um, I just pray that there's something that was said today that makes your life better. So until next week, um, I want you to join us back again, same place, same time, for the Sister Speak Brother Break Show. Be blessed. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you've been blessed by today's show, feel free to let us know. And if you'd like to sow into this ministry, become a sponsor or contact us. You can reach us at 803-221-0169. Or you can email us at the Show at gmail.com. Let's continue this journey together. Missed any of our past episodes? The pain that I've gone through, I've been through lots. <laughs> depression, perversion, low self-esteem, rejection, but I'm here and I'm loving life and I'm changed forever. I'm trying to maim you to leave you like physically and mentally I, maim you or he wanted your life. I don't think he so much wanted my life is that he wanted some results. He wanted me to stay in the earth and not be who I am now. The piece where you start talking about, it was your love walk. Yes. Um, we had an opportunity to not only share our experience, but find out that there were so many women in the room who had similar experiences. What advice would you give to people who find themselves in the grips of grief right now? Um, the pain is inevitable when the suffering is off. You were still mm. sick, you still weren't well, but did something change for you when they gave it a name? Yes, because um, once they put a label on it, I felt like it was putting a label on mm. me. Catch up on past shows on my YouTube channel at Marcy Bush, M-A-R-C-E-Y-B-U-S-H. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any future episodes. Got to Iraq, like I said, we had to um, in the tank. Um, in training, when we was taking, Ali was in front of a computer, typing the grid coordinates and stuff like that. I got so good at it when they gave me grid coordinates. I, while I was typing, they had maps in the tank. 
I could type and look at the grid coordinates and say, like, okay, that's where it's gonna land. When we got over to Iraq, they took all the maps out, the tanks. <laughs> and one missile would take out a grid square. So that meant that sound like much, but a grid, one grid square that we used was a thousand meters by a thousand meters. So, and I was in the desert, middle of the desert. We was there for like over 29 days. We set up um, our camp, did a little round circle. They're walking around and stuff like that. Once we left and went to another facility, there was another unit that came and occupied the exact same spot that we were. Four people died. It was a landmine. <laughs> that we were there for 27 days, walking around. Wow. So, just stuff like that. <laughs> yes. So, grace. <laughs> These are conversations on grace, yeah. healing, and deliverance.